Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Hello. Hi. We're back. We're yeah. here. We are starting a gym membership club that you should join. Just kidding. Called the Colt. Serious uh, join it, inquiry to our fans. Go out. Go out to your local tattoo bar, if that's what they call them tattoo nowadays. Tattoo bar? And I want parlor, you to get a tattoo of our logo directly in between your nipples. So, like, just on their the sternum. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, as a tip, I want you, whatever the amount of money you're going to give the person on the tip, uh, if you give them cash, write it on a napkin. And if you do it on a receipt, just write the link to our show on that receipt for that person. And that's how we know you're a true fan of the program. There we go, yeah. Uh, All right, cool. We are yeah. starting a cult. Yeah, that's Grant. I'm Jake. Mitch is here. Yes. Now we're doing Franklin cover-up today. Yes, we are back. Um. We had a bit of a journey getting to the Franklin cover-up yeah. part of everything because of, I mean, you guys know how brutal this is. From the past two episodes, yeah. Um, I feel, as does Jake, that we have laid a relatively solid groundwork of what we're working with here. Yeah, I feel like we've tapped into enough emotion here to start. Yes, so today... Not what just we, listing it and making everyone sad. We will be doing, we will be going over... Uh, in scale, one of the larger stories, uh, one of the standout stories, I would say, if you will, of abuse. And we're going to go into very graphic detail about that one. And with that, it is our belief that fans of the show will be able to infer that this was not a one-time event and things like this uh, happened quite often in these scenarios. And that is the image we're going to give you because... We feel that it is slightly um, gratuitous, I would say, to just go into crime after crime after crime when they're all just truly evil. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to bring up a name here, and I'm, I'm, we're just going to get right into it. Bring it up. Go ahead. Do it. Uh, start. Paul Bonacci. Go. Uh, sometimes mentioned as Paul Bonacci or Bonacci. Uh, I've heard all three of those. I'm going to call him Bonacci because that's the Bonacci? way. Bonacci? I heard him say that. Oh, or be, uh, yeah, Bianchi. Like, Bian- 
I thought it was Bianchi. Bianchi or something. Bianchi. No, that's how he said it. Mr. Miyagi. Bianchi. Okay. That's how he's. Bianchi. It's all the same. Paul Bianchi. (laughs) (laughs) That one rolls off the tongue a lot better. Like it does. Paul Bianchi. Sorry, I'm butchering the name here. Uh, Paul Bianchi. He was a victim of one Lawrence E. King. And uh, he labeled uh, many different names throughout his time. And we're going to tell the story of one very specific one. Now, these are uh, recorded. They are available online. There's transcripts of them online and parts of them segmented in the book. Uh, This is open testimony from Paul Bonassi against all of these people that he's claiming. Um... Okay, I guess I'll just start with the one specific incident. Let's go. Um, This incident, he is driven, well, he's flown out to California to an air base, a very specific air base. Um, The name of it escapes me right now, but it will come back into play (laughs) later. Okay. Uh, The name is essentially irrelevant, unless you want to go there, but it's just an Air Force base. I'd say Um, let's go there, but we'll, we'll figure it out. So you go there. And we find this thing. No, I'm kidding. So Paul Benassi, <laughs> he flies into California. Uh, this time, keep in mind, he's an underage boy. He's about somewhere between 14 and 16. Yeah. It's kind of hard to pinpoint the exact number. But anyway, uh, he's flown out to California, and he is uh, taken then in a car uh, and driven through the woods to where he describes uh, he's passing these 100-feet-tall trees. And they go into the woods where he uh, is placed at the feet of a giant statue of an owl. Owl. Does this sound familiar? He does not know the name of it, but to us it sounds very similar to Bohemian Grove, which is hidden in the Reds, the Redwoods. Yeah. Uh, so that would explain the, the giant bedecked trees. Bedecked in Moloch. And to be honest, it might be the only place that I could think of a giant statue of a fucking owl at. Um, if there's other locations, please let me know, but I don't know many large-scale owl statues. Send us your photos of large owl statues. Um, so he is brought there with many, many, many people um, that he actually brings up in name. Um, for me, the purposes of this story, I feel that... I mean, that I don't want to say this and sound insensitive, but the names of some of these abusers are, to the purpose of the story, irrelevant. Um, because there's so many involved, and these are a lot of local people to the area that are big in the story, but not necessarily on a grand scale of the states. Basically every person in power within Omaha. Yeah, so a lot of the names, like, don't worry if we, especially me, if I'm just like, oh, this guy, like, it's just someone involved in them. It's not some, like, key player that's, it's not George Bush, okay? If it's a key player, we're going to definitely Yeah, no, 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 exactly. The fact that they're a key player. Um... So Paul Benassi is here, and they bring out um, a man, well, a boy, in a cage. And they open the cage, and they said, Paul, do your thing. That's literally what they said. And Paul was quite hesitant to do it. So he does it. Uh, there's threats. We'll get into one of the threats here in a minute. So he does it. He had Paul Benassi, an underage boy, has sex with another underage boy. All while this is being filmed and watched by uh, individuals around there. Um, I'm sorry to tell you, I in no way uh, am endorsing this as fact. 
I'm just calling it the way that I have learned it. The person that Paul Benassi penned as the individual holding the camera was one none other than Hunter Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson. Or as we would notice, Hunter S. Thompson, as that is his pen name. Well, it's not his pen name, but that's that's how we all know him. Yeah. Um, but he pens Hunter Thompson that they... He mentions that they picked up a wild and vibrant writer in Las Vegas, and they took them out with them to this place in the woods. And that man's name was Hunter Thompson. So a lot of things here kind of line up. Uh, the location, the line of work, the name, yeah. and the in weird the behavior. of the experience of the uh, his like biggest hit, the thing he's most known for. No, exactly. You know, um, he was there at the time. So this happens, right? This is uh, step one. Um, then they bring in, uh, another individual, which Paul Benassi, uh, notices as about 10 inches long, and he is not referring to the size of the man, he is referring to that man's genital. Um, yeah. and he repeatedly rapes this boy. Uh, the boy is screaming in agony. The man ejaculates inside of this boy, steps back, pulls his pants up, and shoots the boy in the head. Uh, so the kid's dead. Paul Benassi is there watching all this occur. And then they say to Paul Benassi, put his dick in your mouth. And Paul Benassi is like, uh, obviously hesitant to blow a dead child. And this is when the man with the 10-inch penis took out a gun. And he put the gun to Paul Benassi's balls and he said, use them or lose them. Your choice. And that was when Paul Benassi was forced to give fellatio to a corpse. You might think to yourself, this is where it ends, right? This is terrible. No, it continues to go. This is all being filmed. Um, one of the men there instructs uh, Paul Benassi at gunpoint to then bite off the penis with his teeth. So he does it. And he severs the penis from the body. And they take it out and they throw it around and play with it and laugh. And then they leave. And they go back to the hotel room. And with what do you Paul Benassi, right? Yes, yes, or yes. Benaki. Yes. And what do you think happens in this hotel room? It might not be what you think. They call Hunter Thompson back, right? Hunter Thompson shows up to the hotel room. And they all sit down in the room. And they all masturbate to the footage of what they just saw. And they made Paul Benassi watch it again. And during that time, Paul Benassi uh, also had to fuck other individuals. He was being passed around during that yeah, whole yeah. time. Um, and, yeah, so that's one specific event. And the reason I, I, I didn't use his quotes only because, to me, they're more devastating than... The way I could say it, you know, like yeah, it yeah. becomes real when you read it in his words. Hearing him actually say it is. So I, yeah, I, I gave you the cliff notes on the shit that happened. He talks about it in a lot more vibrant detail, if that's the way you want to hear it. Uh, um, it's out there, but yeah, it is. Uh, also, during these interviews, he mentions uh, this was not uncommon behavior, uh, necrophilia. Things like that. Uh, it, it wasn't particularly uncommon in these circles. Um, and it also wasn't always human. They would 
freeze and boil uh, metal rods and insert them into the anus of Paul Benassi. Yeah. Uh, they would do very, very vivid, disgusting torture methods to these children. And you might think to yourself, how can this get any worse? And you know how it gets worse? It gets worse by a poker-like move that these people utilize. And how do they reward the kids that behave and do everything that they listen to? They give them heroin. Not always heroin. Sometimes it's crack, cigarettes, weed, cocaine, whatever the kids want. Some wants. sort of controlled substance. Uh, in Paul Benassi's case, it was heroin, uh, along with another individual, Troy Boner, who we'll get to here shortly. Yeah. Uh, in those two instances, it was heroin. And this was a double-edged coin for the abuser because now you had a more complicit uh, subject. Uh, they were under the influence of heroin, and they're a child, so they're very easily manipulated and mm-hmm. controlled. Uh, they're now becoming addicted to a drug that you give them, so they need you. Also, you are, on the other hand, protecting yourself by the witnesses that you have to these crimes. The first-hand witnesses are all addicted to drugs. So now you lose credibility on the accuser side. So this works in their fashion and Multiple, multiple ways. Yeah. And it was not uncommon for your day-to-day life to be manipulated by wake up, suffer, do the terrible things they want you to do, then get some heroin and go to bed and wake up and repeat. That was pretty that was scheduled, I would say. That was yeah, pretty standard. That was the standard day. Um, And... I want you to. I also want you to realize. I, again, I don't want this to sound like I'm defending them. This is just the reality of it. This wasn't uh, an everyday event. This wasn't like you were held in captivity. It was well, you were, but it was more like a luxury item you could rent. So there would be blowout weekends. You know, like oh, we're doing this. We're doing like you're going to be used this weekend. But then, I mean, the people that are involved nine times out of ten, they're career-oriented individuals. So, theoretically, from 9 to 5, give or take, on a Monday or a Tuesday, you're not being physically abused in this sense, but you're mentally preparing to be physically abused at any given time. You know it's inevitable and coming at any point. So, it's a constant cycle of never knowing when or where this abuse will come from. And the reason that I chose this story is because, again, this... In this particular example, it, w- it might be slightly more extravagant uh, than your day-to-day abuse. But this is just one recounting of an individual's tale of abuse at the hands of these individuals. And I think that tells you everything you really need to know. If they're doing this as like a weekend event, it's not something that they just do occasionally. This is something that they're accustomed to doing. Yeah. Of a recording of just complete debaucherous torture. Um, so, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but you, the listener, I want you to just think about what these people are capable of and what else could have happened, because this is one event out of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So, the door is open for that, because there's a lot more in-depth, uh, discussion about it, but I feel like, I feel like it's unnecessary. After hearing that, you kind of know what you have to get into yeah uh it's not the mindset you want um and 
the reason that we keep bringing up these three names, Troy Boner, Alicia Owens, and Paul Benassi, are because, not because they are the most credible, only because they have actually been used in court. Uh, they Arguably, that would make them the more credible stories. And they're very thorough, detail-oriented, and they're... This is not your typical conspiracy scenario. This isn't the hot air balloon guy that said his kid was, like, stuck in it and he actually did it himself or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is not that, like, this cover-up. This is a child that has been repeatedly abused telling their story. And these three are the kids that, through everything they had to deal with that we're going to get into, after the actual abuse was over, all the shit they had to deal with, they still stuck to the story, and it wasn't like, okay, it was, I made this, like, these people, they live and die by the stories that they told with no compensation for it. So, be that as it will. Take it however you want it. That's yeah. just the truth of the matter. It's not the same as, you know, a Travis Walton, where you potentially have a chance to make that into a living or a thing, mm. where that can become, you know, this gray area of questionability. This is... These people's lives were ruined, and by admitting this to a camera, they were ruined even further. Yeah. And they got nothing for that. So, I guess let's just take a minute to decompress. Kind of digest the, yeah, here's um, there, there you go. I don't... I, okay, I'll... I don't know what to say, because I like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying it's true. We have no way of knowing that. But, to me, as a person that wants to believe uh, Paul in this scenario, um, I don't particularly see a reason he would have to make that up. And I also don't really see a reason why... it. To me, if it was made up, you could take any celebrity you want and say they did it. Like, you could... In theory, he could be, say it was Spielberg. If he's making all this up, he could say anything. He could, like, I mean, a lot of times in these scenarios, they used, like, code names. Yeah, no, exactly. And he did say he was only named as that. He overheard. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he recognized it, but also, he could have done it. Yeah, you never know. The story could be just what it is and absolutely insane. Yeah, exactly. Mitch, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, uh, I don't really know the full story, but... Like, do you know, like, when he, like, gave out this information? Like, how old he was? Like, did he know who Hunter S. Thompson was before this? He, Has he seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? When when did that movie come out? What? Fear and Loathing. I don't... I don't actually know the date of that film's release. it was, release. like, 98. This was... I think. Oh, this was much prior to the release oh, okay. of that so film. So maybe he read it. But I remember the one scene, I think a lot of like conspiracy theorists talk about this, is the adrenochrome scene. Yes. And so Dr. Gonzo said that, oh, like I got this, some, got this adrenochrome from some Satanist freak. And, you know, he was accused of touching kids in the, you know, all this stuff. Like he was yeah. a pedophile. And that, sadly, is something we will get into not in this episode, but in the, in the topic of uh, this episode. Yeah, yeah, it's going to have to do with the same kind of thing. Fear and Loathing yeah. came out in, yeah, 98. So. 98, this was way prior. This was a decade before that. Yeah. Also the book, though. 
Well, that's that's true. The book. Yeah. But my question, I wasn't around to witness that was the book as much of a sensation as the film. Uh, I I read the book once for like a a, a project, uh-huh. like for school, and it's literally pretty much just the uh, the narrator in the movie. All that stuff is just the book. So I feel like it's it, a, that's it, all it, is. it probably wasn't as hot of a seller. I don't know that for sure, for certain. You can't quote no, me pretty on good. that. I liked it, but it it's one of those things. That, yeah, you brought up a good point with that too, Jake. Like they, these people aren't dumb. They're not all using real names. Most of them use like fucking weird ass nicknames. Um, now I want to bring up Mighty Horse and shit. One more minor connection to crime, and that is George Bush. We are, the, he's. Honestly, the Bush family would be an amazing topic for a series because yeah, we'll I mean it to, goes all the way to Prescott Bush down to Jeb. Yeah, you we know what get I mean. Ducks like, in a row for that shit. It but. goes, it goes deep. Like these guys, if you believe, if you're one of the like deep state believers, the Bushes are the deep state. Like they are, if they're not involved, they're definitely part of the root system of the deep state. Yeah. Um. So with all that being said, that that really has nothing to do with this per se yet. But Paul Benassi knows other victims that are, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a group of teens, kids and teenagers that are all together in this. They know each other outside they of the They see each abuse. other at these parties and shit. Right, like, that's that's your socialization. That, those are their, I wouldn't say friends, but, you know, you have shared trauma. You, you understand each other slightly. Yeah. And he names an individual, again, the name it escapes me, but it's another victim, one who is... I would say less known in this specific case, uh, but he was brought to a party uh, with George Bush present, and this is while he was the president. And uh, there was a price tag on the boy, not a literal price tag, but for the right price you could take this boy and have your night with him. And George Bush was the highest bidder and took this boy for the night. You might be saying, wow, that's insane, that never happened, how did you get away with that? Well... There was a big scandal in the 90s uh, during the Bush presidency uh, where escorts were brought to the White House and multiple people that were involved in this escort service uh, were young males aged 15 to 17. And this was written off as uh, fall men were obviously used. Uh, Mm -hmm. The true story, I do not uh, buy that... uh, you know, Secret Service agents were buying escorts and having them come to the White House. Uh, I think that's a very obvious cop-out for someone of higher importance. Oh, yeah. Maybe not George Bush himself. I'm not saying he's doing it, but maybe George he's aware. Bush, yeah, I mean, George Bush has been said to have been at these parties. Yeah. Uh, um, like, even back to when he was, like, vice president with Reagan. And who's saying the national anthem... In 84 and 88 at the Republican National Convention, none other than Lawrence E. King. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the this is kind of what we're dealing with here. Like, it goes all the way to, theoretically, the top of government control. This goes all the way up. Yep. Um, as you can tell, a lot of people would be covered up. And I'll tell you what, there's one passage in the book, and... It really spoke to me because it's going to get into the topic of the court cases that we'll 
We're going to transition into that probably soon, in probably a couple like minutes. right after you say this. But and there's people that they mention these things, and they actually there's two things I want to talk about here, and this is going to relate to something else that we didn't bring up. Um, there was a judge that was talking to none other than John DeCamp, and he made a valid point saying that. What you're getting into is... That's how the book begins. It's What you're getting into is something you should not get into. Because there are people at play. There are high-name professionals. There are things in motion here that if you get involved in, there's essentially there's no hesitation to kill you and wipe you off the face of existence. Yeah. And there's nothing any individual can do to stop this from happening because it has such a far-reaching grasp that there's no escape from it within the system itself. And if you're a lone individual like John DeCamp trying to get to the bottom of it, you are just putting yourself in the way of danger. Mm-hmm. And this goes especially for Mr. Caradori. He is one individual I would like to discuss right now. He was a private investigator. Oh, this is a short little anecdote, but it just goes to show you how insane this case is. He was a private investigator that John DeCamp had hired as part of a team of PIs to go out and kind of gather information that he could use in legal battles. Um, so Caridori, he has a private plane. He Not a private plane like a jet. Like He has his own plane. He flies. Yeah. And it, it, travel it's purposes. a little, you know, like not a crop duster, but it's a single like two to four person plane. Yeah. Tiny little plane. And he takes his eight-year-old son uh, out to Chicago because... It just so happened that he was meeting with an individual in Chicago who supposedly had some dirt on some of the individuals that John DeCamp was looking into. And it just so happened that the All-Star weekend for baseball was happening at Wrigley Field. So he figured, why not? I can you know, go pick up these files and have a good weekend with my son. <clears throat> so he goes to the game. They have a great time. Uh, and then he goes and gathers the files, and he... Let me just say this. No one hears from him again verbally. Um, He leaves a message uh, for one of the other individuals working with John DeCamp about the information that he had just gathered. And he said that the information he has would shake the country to its very knees. And if 10% of what he had in his hands were true, the entire government would collapse on itself. Yeah. He said he he was one step ahead of him this time. He That's finally got the upper hand. He had a book with names, addresses, price tags, and locations, and with timestamps of people involved in sex trafficking. He takes his book, gets in his plane. He's coming back home. He's going to bring this to John DeCamp somewhere over Iowa, I believe. Or maybe Nebraska. Is it Iowa or Nebraska? I think it's Iowa. I think it's Iowa, yeah. Somewhere over Iowa. His plane hits the ground. And the initial report made by the public, not the public, made by uh, the people that witnessed it was that there was a big fire explosion in the sky. Yeah. And after that, debris fell and littered the farmland. Yeah, the wreckage was spread across roughly a mile of Mm -hmm. an open field. And multiple people, uh, there's one farmer in particular that did news interviews uh, about what he saw, and he said... He knows for a fact that it blew up in midair. He's, I saw an explosion in the sky and debris rained down. 
this is what happened. This is what this guy witnessed. So with all this, we have witnesses saying it's blown up in the air. The official report made by the government and the police was that it was exploded upon impact. And funny enough, they found no documentation. Both of the people in the plane died, so Caridori and his 8-year-old son were killed in the crash. And scattered around the wreckage were Polaroid photos of child pornography. Would you look at that? And, yeah, do with that information as you will. After the FBI was there, right? That's, yes. Uh, um, yeah. His briefcase was never found, huh? No. Yeah, all, of his, all right, there you go. None of his stuff, uh, none of his personal uh, belongings personal were ever effects. found. Everything was, uh, as they say, incinerated. And this this was pretty much the final straw for John DeCamp. Because when this occurred, keep in mind that this happened... Uh, after Troy Bonner or Boner and Alicia Owens and Paul Benassi had come out and spoken about this, yep. that this event actually occurred. So he's trying to get his ducks in a row for a legitimate court case against these people. And the person carrying all of his information for the court case is killed. And I, you yep. know what's funny? I learned this upon studying. Um, the term <laughs> I learned this upon studying. the term of getting suicided. It's not a joke. That's an actual thing. Yeah, it's pro- yeah. Uh, that's a legitimate thing used by the CIA and the FBI. That uh, in certain people's files, uh, they have quote gotten suicided. Um, so that's legitimate. Yeah, and I personally believe that. Mr. Caridori was, uh, the plane was tampered with. There's no way that he multiple witnesses having, were lying. Yeah. And before this, like, he had had, like, trackers on his car. Like, his car was being tampered with everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. He was, like, being tailed by these yeah. people that he was trying to investigate. And this, this brings us to the court case where yeah. I really, really wish I could say there's a happy ending. There. Yeah, dude. All right, so, but it's an American court case. Yeah. So let's get previous, into that. Uh, previous to what happened with uh, Caridori that we were just talking about with the plane crash, uh, Troy Bonner or Boner, whichever, uh, he claims that he was told directly by police that if he went ahead with his story through the court system, which he did, um, he uh, he would be found guilty of perjury. Um, he would uh, later agree to withdraw his video interview. Yeah. After this. And then uh, following that, Gary Caridori. Yes. That, that occurred. And um, uh, following this, he was swayed by the FBI into swearing a new statement mid-trial uh, in which he states that he and Alicia Owens had concocted the entire story. And you know what's funny about that? If you watch uh, Conspiracy... I believe it's Conspiracy of Silence, correct? Yeah, Conspiracy of Silence. Dude, it was a documentary that was made like with John DeCamp. Yeah, among with like others, he was it was um it was going to be on Discovery Channel. Yeah, it was right? a UK production. They wanted yeah. to make it. Yeah, it was slated to come out on Discovery Channel in May of like '94, mm-hmm. and li- it literally has the song. I was showing you this earlier. <laughs> it uses the song Laura Palmer's theme from uh, from Twin Peaks. <laughs> it's perfectly <laughs> ominous enough. It is very ominous. But in the but, uh, conspiracy of silence, John DeCamp, who was funny enough, he was one step ahead of. The other people in this scenario, he has a a recorded phone conversation where after Troy Boner gets this, uh, I would call it a threat. That's a threat. Um, 
he calls Alicia Owens, and the whole thing is recorded. It's a yeah. recorded phone I have conversation a transcript of it right that here. they played in the courtroom where Troy Bonner, or Boner, he tries to persuade Alicia Owens into saying that they're lying. And Alicia Owens is like, we're not lying. And he admits it. He's like, I know we're not lying, but they don't believe us anyway. Mm. And th- this is all recorded. This is This was proof that they brought to the court. It's a full-length conversation where they are screaming at each other, and Troy Boner is saying, Alicia Owens, shut the fuck up, because if you go through with the story, he's afraid for his life that they might yeah. kill him. So he's telling her, just lie and say we lied so we don't have to deal with this shit. Yeah. And and for obvious reasons, I mean, that was in the documentary, Conspiracy of Silence, and for that reason, the network canceled the debut of it. Yep. Uh, like, after it never politi- aired. Yeah, politicians who had apparent like ties with the network threatened like defunding them. Yep. And it was uh, anonymously sent to John DeCamp a year later. And it, it's all over YouTube. It's very... I think I talked about this in part two. It's very choppy because it's an unfinished documentary. It's just... You, yeah. We get the base it of what they ends. had. But the information is there and some of the shit that goes on in there is just insane like it's startling it's and that's shocking that's one of them so uh yeah you want to hear the ruling here yeah so well actually before we do that why don't we i would like to talk about the testimony that they gathered so what they gathered here is they had uh they had a lot of people that were willing to testify. Yeah, like more than 90, I believe. Yeah, there was over 90 individuals that were there to testify about the abuse they were in. As the court uh, kept going, and uh, as the time approached where John DeCamp was going to call, his plan was to call each individual witness so that every story was told, and the jury and the judge would have to listen to everything. Yeah. And by the time they got to that point in the court case... Uh, about 80 of them had had decided to rescind their testimony. Yeah, and people they are all... dying surrounding this case. The three that have come out, Troy Bonner and Alicia Owen and Benaki, they've all been like just trampled by the media. Yep. All these people don't want to do it anymore. Uh, what is? I believe it was 12 people ended up dying. Yeah. Uh, and these are just uh, witnesses. We get into other people that are high-ranking uh, members of politics that actually end up dead because of this as well. Uh, this is it's deep, it's deep as fuck. It's interesting. Give us some of these names here. What are we some working on? These names. Here? There's actually fifteen. There, it's, it's, 15, it's in sorry. the book. Uh, suspicious deaths tied to uh, the Franklin case, right? Bill Baker. He was a restaurant owner in Omaha, and his partner. Uh, Larry, he was a partner of Larry King in a homosexual pornography operation. He was found shot in the back of the head. Sean Boner, brother of victim witness Troy Boner, he uh, was he died of a gunshot wound from Russian roulette. Yep. Okay. Uh, Gary Caradori, chief. Yeah, we all know what happened to him. Plane crash. Uh, Andrew A.J. Caradori. He died at the age of eight in the plane. So yeah. This is uh, yeah, his Gary's son. Gary's son. Uh, Newt Koppel, a confidential informant for Caradori and his investigation firm. Right. Uh, Claire Howard, a former secu- uh, secretary of Alan Bear, who. Um, who arranged Bear's pedophile uh, trists? Yeah. Hobbies, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Be a fair synonym. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that, I guess, if you call it a hobby. Howard uh, died in her sleep. 
And okay. uh, so, like uh, Mike Lewis, uh, he was a former caregiver of the victim's witness, uh, Loretta Smith. He died of severe diabetic reaction at the age of 32. Okay. Then we got Joe Mal- Malik, maybe? Malik? Uh, uh, he's an associate of Larry King and the owner of uh, Peony Park. Where the owner of Comet Ping Pong? Uh, maybe, because it's where homosexual gals were held, uh, and his death was from a gunshot, and it was ruled a suicide. Mm-hmm. Right, all right. And then we got Aaron Owens, the brother of victim witness Alicia Owens. Uh, was oh, another sibling of a come, uh, yeah. come forwarder. Found hanging in a cell of a Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, uh, you know, cell, right? There you go, jail. Uh, hours before one of his sister's court appearances. This isn't that interesting. And then Charlie Rogers, um, a reputed homosexual partner of Larry King. Rogers said that he feared for his life and in the days before his death. And um, his head was blown off with a shotgun, and it was ruled a suicide. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dan Ryan, an associate of Larry King, he was found strangled or suffocated in a car. Yep. Bill Skoleski. Uh, an officer in the Omaha Police Department who was believed to uh, be keeping to have been keeping files on Larry King. He died of a heart attack. Kathleen Sorensen, a foster parent of Nellie and Kimberly Webb, after they fled the home of Larry King's relatives, uh, Jarrett and Barbara Webb. Right, so she was an outspoken activist against the Satanism, uh, and her death was in a suspicious car crash. Uh, Curtis Tucker, here we go. As associ- uh, he was an associate of Larry King, uh, he fell or jumped out of a window at a Holiday Inn in Omaha. Uh-huh. And number 15, Harmon Tucker, a school superintendent in Nebraska and Iowa, a reputed homosexual. Uh, his death had signs of satanic ritual murder. He was found dead in Georgia near the plantation where, uh, which Harold Anderson, and Nebraska Iowa FBI Chief Nicholas O'Hare O'Hara uh used for hunting. He was yeah. found there. There's uh one other victim that I believe could be realistic. Uh it was one of the witnesses that was going to testify against the Lawrence King. Uh minutes uh before they were posed to take the stand, they were found hanging uh from a tree in a park. Uh day of that they were to testify. Now that one Suspicious, yes. Uh, also, that one could probably be argued that that might have just been a legitimate suicide, simply because of the pressure. Uh, or is it like a crazy power move to do it in such a public area? Are you it, fucking me? Exactly. That, that's it's the had question. had to have happened during the day. That's the question. Uh, it, it raises a lot of questions, but I think out of the ones that we've just heard, it's the easy, the one that you could easily speculate and get public opinion to believe that it was a suicide. That's probably the easiest one to get. Uh, That's a true suicide. But it it doesn't stop there. I mean, there's plenty of people. These are just some notable names that were killed. Those are what, yeah. Um, Very mysterious circumstances. So people are dropping like flies. And, um, okay, we'll get to how the court ruled. Yeah. But what I want to tell you is um, moments... Moments before uh, the jury was to be dismissed, John DeCamp made his closing arguments. Um, 
defending the children. Uh, now most of them at this time, I believe Paul Bonassi was 18, and so was Alicia Owens. Uh, but regard the children at this point, um, they're he's defending them, giving his last thing, uh, and the judge calls for uh, deliberation. I believe is what it's called. I don't I know. Think so, yeah. Deliberate. Uh, the jury, you know, they leave and they go do their thing. Uh, John DeCamp goes and talks with the judge. John DeCamp knows he is going to lose. Uh, that Paul Benassi and Alicia Owens are probably going to be found guilty of perjury. And Lawrence King will not only walk free, but the victims of his crimes are going to go to prison because they spoke the truth. Uh, so he he's very aware that this is an option, that something like this could happen. And he's fuming, and he goes to the judge. And this is, to me, this is the most heartbreaking part of the entire book, where he pleads this entire thing to the judge, where pretty much uh, John DeCamp even kind of talks about it, that he lost his temper, and he was pretty much like, you have to be fucking blind to say that this isn't real. Yeah. And the judge pretty much kind of broke down, sitting down, hands uh, resting in his hands. Uh, he looks at John DeCamp, and he pretty much, he's like, what do you want from me? I am a person. Like... I'm a human being. Like so, I, I'm just a man. There are things at work here that are far above any one individual. Yeah, and this is where the speech that opens the book came from. The whole thing of the things that you are getting involved in, the things that you're trying to do, you're not strong enough to take them on, and they're going to win. And he didn't give him full confirmation saying that this is what was going to happen, but this is when John DeCamp knew it was... This is where the cover-up comes in, yeah. where the judge is aware that there's he that they're wrong, that what happened is true, and there's nothing he can do, basically out of safety for himself and his family and his career. I mean, this goes back to the old adage of every man has their price, you know? And I'm not saying that this judge was a bad guy, because clearly these people have reach, and... If that guy were to find Lawrence King guilty, perhaps his wife or his son would be the next person that they found dead. And that would be more devastating yeah, to him not dying. Obviously, you know? they're obviously capable of these things. And this is where he admits to John DeCamp that it boils down to that one phrase of him just saying, I'm just a man. This is out of my control, your control. This is way above us. Like, this is not we're not we can't do anything about this and that is when the, that's, that's when, when the, uh, that's when it's finalized yeah um, on, uh, July 23rd of 1990 uh, the ruling indicted Larry King for fraud and embezzlement and uh, ruled that he had paid young boys for sex but uh, it dismissed any mention of a sex uh, a child sex ring yeah uh, indicted was also Alan Bear. He was like a millionaire heir to uh, Boston store department stores. He was a, a big name uh-huh. uh, for pandering for sex. But again, ignored all connections he had to any sort of child sex ring, Larry King, or any of the other people uh, having been convicted of child sex uh, abuse or prostitution charges. 
Yes. The ruling recognized that all those who uh, had testified were indeed abused, but they refused to accept that the abuse was administered by anyone accused. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, Alicia Owen was charged with perjury for refusal to retract her statements. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And she went to prison. Yes, she did. And this is what contemporarily we would call the Epstein treatment, where Epstein was uh, accused of this on multiple occasions, and he admitted to, yes, I fucked that child, but no, I did not uh, sell, operate, or have any involvement with a sex ring. And that was the end of that. That was there's no jail time. It was just you're a bad man. Get out of here. And they all got that same fucking treatment until uh, I guess if you want to, this is the best spin I can possibly give you. Paul Benazzi, Alicia Owens, they uh, are in trouble with the law for committing perjury. Now years later, I believe this is 1998. Uh, after the dust settles, they go back and they, with the exact same court case, and they fight the perjury charges, and they win. They win the settlement, and they are each granted, uh, I believe it was roughly a million dollars Yeah, a million dollars apiece. And th- in 98, when they brought the exact same testimony that they brought in 1990, the judge and the jury uh, ruled that they were telling the truth and that these people were guilty of their crimes, but due to the double jeopardy clause, there was no action that could be taken towards Larry King other than compensation to the victims. So it was openly admitted that Lawrence E. King was the abuser or connected to all of the abusers, but sadly, because of the way the justice system is founded, uh, there was no legal recourse they could have against him. Yeah, and he's more than likely still out there. Yes, Just as living of, a normal life, he was uh, he was seen at a car dealership as a salesman. When was that? Few I think years it was ago? 2012. 2012. I believe. He, it was somewhere on the East Coast. Yes, he. I believe it was one of the Carolinas he yeah. was in, and Larry he King. was working at a car used car lot. And Lawrence E. King was selling cars uh, about a decade and a half. Well, about two decades after the original court case. Most it? all of them still have jobs. Yes. Um, they still just live life. Yeah, life did not change for these individuals. Um, Paul Benassi uh, has openly discussed his uh, battle with heroin addiction, and a lot of people discredit him for that. But uh, but that just plays right into what they wanted in yeah, the first place. The, uh, so the criminals wanted. Pretty much, that's the. I mean, that's the end of that. John that DeCamp. Is, uh, um, yeah. He went on to be a warrior. He actually, badass enough, he was one of the main outside investigators into Columbine. And he has some very uh, interesting information about Columbine and its potential connection to uh, mental illness drugs that are prescribed, uh, ADHD medication, things like that. And he was actually lobbying a lawsuit against pharmaceutical companies for Columbine. Uh, nothing ever came of that because he, I think it was right around like 2002, he got like very sick. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he pretty much just kind of stopped. And uh, I believe he died about 14 years ago or so, yeah. 2006 I think it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he 
The guy was a, a, I mean, what you would probably call a freedom fighter. He was all about sticking up for the man. You I'd know, like the little he's man. A, he's a good man. Um, regardless, I know that the label of a Republican or the label of a Democrat holds a very weird... Uh, it's very loaded, especially in this climate. Yeah, it holds a very you know? weird title with it uh, in 2020. So don't let the fact that he's a Republican change your opinion uh this guy he truly was a good person that wanted to help people insane information that we're and his political affiliation should have no impact on how this man is remembered yeah there's good people and on both sides no exactly and i mean john DeCamp. uh it's very he doesn't i don't believe there's a book about the columbine connection but uh in the book that I bought, uh, Jake, I think you might have bought the exact same book that I have, the Franklin cover-up by John DeCamp. One of the that's right. It it came out because it was like the re-release from like two thousand five or something. Yeah. And one of the, I I guess that's called the the epilogue. Or no, the prologue is in the beginning. Like the prologue of the book is him talking about the case with Columbine slightly. He mentions things he's working on at the time. So we that's where I got some of that information. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm not like a like a foreword or preface oh, reader really? of books. I usually go all the way. I sprint through it, then I go back and read it. Oh, I respect that. I uh, But I looked into it a little bit. I, nothing substantial ever came from it, but it, it just was something he was Yeah, that is into. interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's it's hard, man. There's no... There's no happy ending here. I can't tell you that fucking Paul Badassi and Alicia Owens got married and live happy lives with their families. Uh, we don't know that. Don't know. Uh, they choose to remain anonymous uh, to this day. Uh, I 100% understand that. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I don't even know if they're actually alive, uh, who they are, but uh, I doubt that they're going to tell you their real name if you actually meet them because you can look up the interviews of their abuse. and. Yeah. No one wants that. I'd imagine they probably don't want to talk about it anymore. But if you take away one thing from this episode, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air aired 30 years ago. And in celebration of that, they are doing a 30-year reunion special that comes out on HBO Max on Thanksgiving. I wanted to put that in there Uh, in this monotone voice to let you know that sometimes good things can happen. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. I I wanted to lay it into you softly. I didn't want to change the tone of the show. Yeah. But no good. Not everything is a dark abyss of hate. It's true. Mitch has something to say. I swear to God, if you have something to say about Will Smith being on the plane, he right. might be. But just fucking enjoy it for what no, it is. No, no. I just wanted to. Like I had a thought. So you can't have those. Yeah. <laughs> so. So Lawrence King and whatever ring he was a part of, if he was actually the head of this ring or whatever, which it kind of sounds like he was sort of the head, right? I think we, I at least with the information present, it's the same way that we can feel about Epstein, where Epstein was like the the manager, if you will, of this thing. We don't necessarily know if that's true, but with the information we get, it's kind of hard to pry information from these people. So it's like, with what we've been presented, it's it's a fair assumption, I would say, to assume Larry King was the top or near the top of some type of organization. So the way I see this story is that, you know, these things happen. 
Like that probably happening to this day. Oh, it a hundred percent still to is. Those people, these fucked up people, someone like Larry King or even Epstein to a degree, had slip ups to where these things got exposed to a you know, a certain degree. Yeah. But then see my co- my comment on that is that someone like Larry King I've actually I hate to say it in this term, I've defended Epstein in a way that I will explain to you now. Um, what? Jeffrey Epstein, I in no way, shape, or form believe that he is the operator of some type of sex slave trade. I do not believe that with any part of my body. Okay, so you just don't think he's as high-ranking of a terrible guy that he definitely is. No, exactly. And, That's all right. I was the, like, what are yeah, you I'm about not def- to say? I'm Grant? not actually defending him. I'm just lightening the <laughs> yeah, yeah, load yeah, yeah. that comes with his no, name. I, you're greasing it. But, and the reason I come to this conclusion, to me, it's very cut and dry. I mean, look at how these people operate. Look at how the blackmail works. Look at what they do to the people that speak out. So who's to say that someone didn't get the right information and there will be a leak in the boat, right? And why would the captain of that boat throw himself out? That's right at the end. Why would the entire ship goes down? That's when he's going right. down. Why wouldn't the captain or the person in charge Delegate. throw out some dead weight? that they can pin the blame on, yeah. get rid of the problem, and hide their things even further. Yeah. And no, this is this is where my thought was going. It was like, so, yeah, like, this is just some guy in Nebraska. And, you know, people look at this and, like, he's such a monster. It's like, no, this is just, like, the tip of the iceberg. He's one of the goons There's, of the true monster. Yeah, exactly. There's, like, bigger fish out there. No, and I feel... To me, I feel the same way about Epstein. I mean, yes, he had the island. There's no doubting that. The mechanism of something like this working can't just be one guy. No, 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 exactly. And the way I equate it uh, to personal life, I would say, think I, this isn't for everybody, obviously. Think of it as a drug deal. The guy that you're going to buy the drugs from, 100% of the time, the guy that you're buying them from is not the guy that makes and distributes the thousands of pounds that get to the door next to you. My experience, yes. It's one of the people that chip away and buy the product and then ship the product and sell it to someone else, and then they get a piece. They get a piece. I view Epstein and Lawrence King kind of on the same platform where they're one of your local like drug deal kingpins, as you will, yeah. but they're not the people creating the drug. They're the people that get the shipments and know the people that do it and they can connect you to the people. Yeah. And this they're is why man. there's, they're the much needed many layers mm-hmm. that something like this would have to have in order to actually work for the people at the top. And I think it's very, I think it's almost obvious when you look at, I mean, just look at politics. Okay. So let's say I, I'm not even using like contemporary. I'm using examples. This is throughout time. A president makes a mistake right something bad happens on their watch assassinate him they're not going to admit it they're not going to tell you they fucked up they're going to find someone in their cabinet or connected to them that they can pin it on and say we're going to hook you up when we fire you but you got to take the fall for this that is i think we can all agree that that has happened at least once ollie north worked for fox news yeah yeah. I think we can all agree that this has happened at least once throughout history. Yeah, there you go. And that is in the public eye. So when things like this happen, how do we know that 
Larry King himself wasn't blackmailed into being the fall guy. Sure, he didn't get arrested, he didn't get sent to prison, but his name was done. He was never singing at the Republican National Convention again. Does not matter. He's not invited. Yeah. So it's to me, I think it's naive of us to assume that we're that good that on the first try we got the right guy and we ruined his life. Because the fact of the matter is there's people way above that. We don't even have the scope to say that that's like the it's it's like that's the final guy. No, exactly. It's like it's only happened like two or three times in a big way, like cases like this coming out and like almost becoming like a an actual case in the justice system. Exactly. So it, it's like so infrequent. How can we even speculate that it's not happening everywhere? And yeah, that's something that you need to think about and. You've made it this far. The reason we are bringing this up is because this is something that I, Jake and myself, we've found, since we've heard about it, probably it's been a couple of years now, probably about three, four years ago. It's been a while. And um, it's something that I've found to be very important. And it's one of those things that you can't just bring this up to somebody because no one would ever believe you. I've ruined many a conversation. Um. And the reason that we wanted to do this now, this is, believe it or not, this was before the podcast had a name, before we had a website, before we had any idea how to even do a podcast, this was one of the, actually it was right below Skinwalker Ranch as topics that needed to be covered. Yeah. And we went to it now because we have been inundated with this information about Pizzagate, about the Clintons, their connection to things. Um, QAnon and all of their particular things that you might not agree with but raise interesting questions. Um, and this is all happening right now. We're watching it happen daily. Real time, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And that is actually, uh, we're going to transition, I guess you can call it smoothly, from that to this. Um, we're going to slowly transition from true cases of it to more speculative cases of contemporary issues things that we all realm. can just think about together and not nail down is exactly exactly what happened it's, i don't know but we're gonna get into some shit and it is pretty shocking some of the stuff and i think this the reason that we covered this first uh you might not know it it doesn't have the same flashy name as pizzagate or isaac cappy you know like it doesn't have these catch names that conspiracy theorists can jump on and be like holy shit i know that yeah but it's so important because it's true yeah so you can see that throughout history not even ancient history throughout what we would it's it's contemporary history that's the 90s you know like in our lifetimes this thing has been proven by a court of law to be true and have happened on such a grand scale that now we can move into it might potentially still be happening. And they've shifted into new gears that we are unaware of or we're starting to maybe collect some pieces towards getting the answer. And I said this in, I think, an earlier one of these episodes, but we're basically just trying to... Like, this is a a perfect example of what we're trying to discuss Uh and uh, it being a history that we just don't want to repeat. No, exactly. And what we're going to be getting into... Uh, in the following episode, in the coming episodes, in this like series of episodes on this topic, is uh, it's much bigger. I 
personally pride myself uh, by calling myself a conspiracy theorist. Uh, obviously, I don't put that, uh, you know, on my resume or anything like that, but I have no problem admitting. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> that's why you haven't been getting jobs, huh? I should take that off there. That's why I didn't get jobs. But I, I have no problem admitting that I am a true conspiracy theorist, and with that comes the label of psychopath uh tinfoil hat like fucking nut job and that's fine <laughs> it's like, i this kind of fun and know? it's funny because i totally understand it i'm very active in uh the conspiracy community uh that is in like an online presence uh yeah. whether it be on social media uh reddit i'm a hefty user of the conspiracy thread on reddit um and I have no problem admitting that because a lot of the shit on there is completely ridiculous. Uh, I like to think of myself as a realist. I like to take all of it in and hear all the crazy shit and then decide for myself what I think is a funny joke or a possible reality. And then make funny jokes about the reality. But at the end of the day, all you need is one, one piece of ammunition. And if you take anything from this episode... Know that it is valid, it is true, and it's a conspiracy theory that is 100% true with data and evidence to back it up. And And court cases. If you bring this up to somebody that likes to troll conspiracy theorists and say, like, oh, you're all full of shit, you think the earth is flat... I recommend that well, the you... The earth isn't flat. That was a, that's a fun one. Well, yeah, it's, it's a funny that's one. That's one of the dumb, but, stupid things. Um... To me, uh, anyone that truly believes that, that anyone that buys into conspiracy theories are dumb, I really hope that you will direct them, uh, particularly to this series of our show. Um, I mean, you could buy the book, too, if you want, but I, you know, you could tell your friends to check us yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, just a little sampling. Give it, give it, give, it, give it to us. It is sadly very true, very constant, and I believe sadly with all my heart that this is still happening uh probably oh, very much so on a much larger and a much more secret scale than it was uh in this instance but it right now as we speak right now as you're listening these are two separate times it is occurring right now uh throughout time whenever and everywhere you hear, between before and after no matter when you hear me say this uh chances are it's happening right now damn that is a um that sucks yeah that sobering thing you just said and that's we can listen to this one ever damn. kind of kind of sadly i mean that's the reality that's what we live with that's it is. life um i now to to be fair to myself i personally enjoy pizzagate more because to me, it's an idea. Like learning about it. And <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That, like actually researching it. Because oh, yeah. to me, in my fucked up mind, I can separate that and say this might not be true. Now, the Franklin cover up is so much harder yeah. because you look at it and you can't do that. Yeah, Pizza Gate's less true. definitive. And honestly, it's, it's very fun. It is. Because it could, it, it, funny enough, it, you, no one wants to admit this. Pizza Gate, all times. these emails and things. It could be one complete misunderstanding. The chances oh, totally. of that are very slim, but the chance exists nonetheless. And to me, that is fun. That this could all be blown out of proportion. Curb your enthusiasm, music starts playing. Yeah, like, the, the fact that <laughs> oh, that is no. an option makes it a lot more, 
I don't know, inclusive yeah, people, yeah, you're yeah. more likely to get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I'm in no way endorsing that Pizzagate is factual. Uh, we will get into that. And frankly, cover up is the toll that you have to pay in listening mm-hmm. to it before you get to that, which is what we're gonna do in the future. If you if you know anything about me, you know I don't like to choose sides. I don't like to be definitive. Yeah, it's uh, infuriating. I'm very. See, but I'm very. I like to think of myself. Maybe it's uh, stupid stupidity or naivete. I like to see myself <laughs> as more open-minded to other ways of thinking. Even if I don't agree with it, I like to, in my head, let that play out as an option. Just because, if it is to happen, then I'm more accepting of it. You know, like I try to accept every possible reality. So that way, if it happens. It happens, you know. It's not a surprise. Well, to sometimes me. you just gotta pick one. Like when we're like, "All right, what do you want to eat tonight?" And when we I spend can't. fucking two hours going through lists of fast food places, sometimes sometimes you gotta just pick a reality grant and make it make it so. I and it goes double with. But that's a different theories. scenario. I'm just pissed about that. Uh, <laughs> just because of the day, nine eleven. That's the perfect example. Hey, I've, yeah, it is 9-11, um, isn't it? Just because of the example of the day, I, in my heart of hearts, I believe that there was some conspiracy uh, to 9-11. Oh, yeah, we have whole episodes about it. Go listen but to those, too. at the end of the day, I still can also, as a person, accept that maybe it all happened the way we were told. Chances are that's not the case, but I'd never shut that out as a possibility because... I don't know. I don't think it's fair to humanity to be so one-lane thinking. Like, even if you don't believe in it, you don't have to believe in it to accept it, you know? Yeah. Like, I can accept that gravity is a fucking thing. It doesn't mean I have to understand it and believe in it, but I understand that it's real. I could say it's something else and totally believe that. doesn't mean I'm wrong. It just means I'm not understanding the truth behind it. Yeah, you just call it, like, a, a person's name. Like, yeah, Jerry. And sadly, with the Franklin cover-up, I do not get that luxury. Because you can't call is, Franklin cover-up Jerry. No. It is plain as day uh, that this is factual information. Even, I've heard the argument that this is a grand conspiracy in and of itself. and that That's it's what all the Wikipedia fabricated. says in two sentences, and that's all it says. Um, To me, anyone that truly abides by that, I would say, my as pussified as an answer as this is i would say pussified to me if you truly believe that i want you to tell paul benassi or alicia owens or troy boner i want you to look them in the eye and say that all of this is a lie and if you can do that you're either crazy or you truly believe that but if you can't do that then you have to look at yourself and say maybe it's not all a lie you don't have to believe everything but if you can't look them in the eye and say everything that happened didn't happen, it's a lie, you really need to evaluate yourself. Because how can you say that to That's someone? That's fucking not human, dude. How can you say that to a person? You know, and like there's people that do that, not to them specifically. Yeah, and they won the appeal. yeah like I'm not saying they corner them in restaurants and say, fuck you, Paul Benassi, but there's people that are like, oh, Paul Benassi's full of shit. And it's like, well, Dude, even in the book, like there's that middle section in the Franklin cover-up, the book that we got of just like political cartoons of like you should be ashamed of yourself, and like it's like an elephant saying that to like a small child, and the small child is labeled like victims in the 
fucking Franklin cover up. Yeah, is it's fucking weird. No, it's it's incredibly sad. It's in newspapers. Mm. Um, yeah. So do with this information what you will. I guess it's terrible. You might not like it. That's the but end of, of the Franklin cover up. It's good for everyone. This is my final thought. What's that? Let's say. I know, I know people that listen to the show. They a lot of people that listen to it. Uh, they know us personally. Yeah, a lot of them. Which I Thank appreciate Hi, all of you. Hi. And I'm sure a lot of our uh, like personal viewers that do it because they either like us or maybe they just like the show. I don't know. Yeah. But in that case, I know that some of you fall on both camps where you are a conspiracy theorist and others aren't. Um, just know that this is the unifying episode because. There, There is no line of, did this happen, did it not happen? The line that we have uh, in our justice system is that it did happen. Yeah. So keep that in mind and just know that maybe some of the crazy shit we talk about, just because maybe it doesn't have the official documentation of being real, doesn't take away from the fact that it might have happened. Yeah, this series is definitely in the center of the we are starting a cult uh, uh the Venn diagram. Yeah, this is the pinnacle. It covers everything. It is, yeah. The so, penultimate. Please have a good weekend. Try, Try to, to have a it. good one. We're um, probably going to chill out for a sec, but we will be getting into things such as Pizzagate. We're going to continue on with the this topic in, yeah. in different facets as we go on, um, just because it, it is important, like we've been saying. Yeah, and it I think it's good now uh, because... These things are they're starting to come to the light. I mean, I want you to know this, too. The Save Our Children or Save the Children hashtag is completely full of shit. Um, that, in and of itself, uh, that was started by uh, a company that is actually uh, working with people that are in the foster care system, things like that. And a lot of the individuals that are involved in this are actually, uh, they are pedophiles and people involved with these individuals. So... Um, it recently came out, uh, Ashton Kutcher, uh, the big pro, or uh, the advocate of anti-child trafficking, mm-hmm. uh, was not only on the Epstein flight logs, but has many connections to individuals that are involved in pedophilic acts. So, everything that is orchestrated in this realm of news is a very carefully choreographed dance. Yeah. Um, and you have to wade yourself through the shit to find the truth and even then it could very easily be planted by somebody that doesn't want you to have the truth it's terrifying it is very very muddy waters that every, we're getting yeah, into every turn is who's to say and the reason it happens now is because we're watching it unfold as a nation as a country uh, we're watching these things come to the light and be of importance in society so we will definitely be keeping you updated on these things and uh yeah. Have a good one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, have a Let's... good one. We are starting a cult follow us on all the shit. Uh, that was Grant. I'm Jake, and Mitch was here. He's wearing our shirt today. It looks beautiful. He got it because he's on the show. But the only way anyone else can get it is uh, going to that link below in Patreon. We made him pay right? for it, too, if it makes you feel we better. We did? Yes. Yeah. Where's my half, bitch? You got all of it. <laughs> I, I was bought, hoping you'd forget. Yeah. I bought a shirt from you. <laughs> no, yeah. With the hat. <laughs> I got this business run like a trying to swindle uh, me out of my own well-oiled machine, our own <laughs> money as a show. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Patreon. 
And if it makes you feel better, we do not pocket the money that we get for this. Uh, it goes into a fund. In this specific scenario, we might have, but that was because that was, it was from It's because we just got the shirts. We were like, we have to start a Patreon to start doing this. Yeah, and it was a cash deal. But in every other scenario, we uh, this goes into the fund of the show yeah. so that we can continue to make episodes and do these things. And have other shirts that we can give away or have you buy. Well, I want to get into some sh- some designs, dude. No, I agree. Let's get we, some hats, maybe. I would like that, like beer koozies. That'd be cool. Yeah, some underwear. Oh, yeah. good underwear. We talked to our boys at Nooks. We did that little cross-promotion hey, with hey, them. Yeah, just like your face, and then you, you're saying, we uh, are starting a cult, maybe? Something like maybe that. Maybe something like that. Maybe bananas in Mitch's face. Ha-ha. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Yeah, have a good one. We'll see you at some other time. Peace. Probably next Friday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.